Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Podcast. Today, we have on with us Dr. Caroline Leaf. Dr. Leaf has spent the last 30 years researching the mind-brain connection, nature of mental health, and the formation of memory. She was one of the first in her field to study how the brain can change with directed mind input. She has helped hundreds of thousands of people learn how to use their mind to detox and grow their brain and succeed in every area of their life. We are so excited to have her. Everybody knows this is right up my alley. Thank you, Dr. Leaf. We're so, so honored to have you with us. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be with you. And I'm excited to have this conversation. Us as well. So before we get into all of our mind brain questions, introduce yourself. Tell us just a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from. And if you don't mind saying how old you are, because it's roaring 20s. Absolutely. Well, I'm definitely beyond my 20s. So we can start right there. I've been in the (laughs) field, my field of psychoneurobiology for nearly 38 years. I'm actually 58. Just turned 58 last week. So um, I'm a little older than what all of you are, but um, there's a little bit of wisdom maybe. So I've been in the field of psychoneurobiology now for 38 years, which is almost four decades. And what I've been doing in this field is looking and studying and using and working clinically on helping people understand the mind-brain-body connection. So psycho meaning mind, brain, neurobiology, the body. So psycho-neurobiology. You know, we often hear people talk about mind-brain, or brain body and especially in the wellness sphere which I know that you're involved in but it's actually mind brain and body three things and there's a relationship and that's what I've researched and I started initially with people uh, with traumatic brain injuries and sports injuries which we call chronic traumatic encephalopathy and people with things like dementia and Alzheimer's and autism and severe traumas from war and sexual trauma and you name it whatever trauma and from there I developed systems and theories and did research on how the brain can change because the mind is constantly changing and the mind drives the brain and the mind separate from the brain but back in the 80s they didn't believe that they didn't accept that and when I was sitting in one of my uh, medical lectures where our neurologist was uh, teaching us and said you know you've got to teach your patients to compensate once the brain's damaged that's it and I remember immediately challenging and saying um, and I carried you as in your 20s because this is kind of in your just maybe graduated or graduating or doing masters and PhDs and going out there don't ever be scared to challenge what you've been told because Mm -hmm. it's critical if I hadn't challenged that day I wouldn't be where I am now and I challenged that professor not in a negative sense but I questioned and said okay but how is it possible that the brain can't change it's impossible because the mind is how we experience life and the mind shows up in the brain and therefore the mind must be changing the brain because we're changing all the time as humans we're growing and that professor said well it's a ridiculous question but go do research on it and I actually did a TED talk on this the ridiculous question of neuroplasticity and um, so then I went ahead and I did research I worked with people who had traumatic brain injuries because there was hardly any research on and I was one of the first in my field and a woman to demonstrate that neuroplasticity which is the ability of the mind to change the brain and to change it in whichever direction you want 
is possible. And it was only mm. really accepted in the mid nineties. And it was, um, I was in the, it was in the early nineties that I was doing this research and fast forward all these years, I've continued to research and clinically apply this. And now we reach millions through our platform, helping them to manage their mind. So that's kind of a little walk through memory lane. I'm from South, from Zimbabwe. I was born in Zimbabwe, Africa and grew up in South Africa and have been in the States for the last 13 years now. Amazing. So incredible and so powerful. And especially in a time where, you know, something that you are believing in and maybe weren't getting the, the same feedback that you were looking for at the time, but something that I really love about what you do, actually many things, but specifically is I think so many people that Julia and I have spoken with um, our friends and stuff like that often feel like they need to settle or feel like they can't change or feel like they're stuck. So to literally have concrete evidence (laughs) that we can not only change our brains, change the way that we think, create new habits, identities, all that stuff is super empowering because I think so many people have certain Um, maybe habits that don't serve them, thought patterns, things that hold them back from really living up to their truest potential. And to truly have someone like you be able to tell them, like, if this isn't serving you, you can change it. Exactly. (laughs) Um, That's the key. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's, it's so, so empowering. So you specifically specialize in cognitive and metacognitive psychology. So can you explain to us what that actually means for people who don't know? Um, and yeah, what's deemed as cognitive, what's deemed as metacognitive, all that good okay, stuff. Okay, so basically I'm a neuroscientist and a communication pathologist and I practice as a clinical neuroscientist. And what that means is instead of just looking at, I've done all the psychology and the medical stuff and everything, it's kind of all put together um, where we and where we look at how a person is um, communicating and functioning, what you're saying, communicating as in what you say, what you do, how you're functioning and tracking that back to what how did you get there in the first place? So the thoughts behind the action, because everything you say and do, everything you communicate comes from a source and that source is a thought. And that thought comes from an from a experience. And so we are experiencing life and we're building life into our brain as, as all these thoughts with memories that form our belief systems. And that then feeds back into our conscious mind and influences how we're functioning. So there's this, this cycle going on. So cognition is when we consciously, like now we very cognitive, we very aware of um, listening and discussing and thinking, feeling and choosing, etc. That's very conscious. But at the same time, your non-conscious mind, N-O-N, conscious mind, is operating like at speeds of 10 to the 27, which is faster than 400 million actions per second. And your non-conscious mind is where all your experiences of life that have been converted into these thought, physical changes in your brain and physical changes in every cell of your body and gravitational field changes in, in the area of your mind because your mind is not your brain or your body it's something else and we can talk more in depth about that in a moment so that the non-conscious then would be would be the uh, the ability that we have uh, this intel or deep intelligence or deep insight or deep wisdom where every experience is basically stored and is then driving it's this driving force that is then driving the conscious mind so the non-conscious mind works with the conscious mind when you're awake and when you're asleep the non-conscious mind still working so when you're sleeping your non-conscious mind is still working mm-hmm. and metacognition is the ability that we have when we're conscious to think about our thinking so like analyzing standing back and observing how we're thinking so self-regulating so mind management so we have to uh, so so when i talk about mind management which i do a lot that's kind of an underlying principle that means that we are managing our mind so we are being metacognitive we are evaluating how we are thinking feeling mm-hmm. and choosing 
and where is it coming from and what's its impact and do I want this and can I change this and yes you can change it and so we 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 need so my metacognition and cognition kind of work together. Mm-hmm. We can be cognitive without being, you, you're never not metacognitive, but you don't always listen to our metacognition. We don't always do it like we should um, because it's very much a self-regulatory process. And I advocate for training people to, and which is what I've done my whole life, is teaching people to become much more self-regulated, to think about what you're thinking, feeling, and choosing and the impact of what you build. Because you're actually building, whatever you think and feel and choose about is going in your brain as a structural change. And as soon as it's in your brain, it goes into every cell of your body and you have about 37 to 100 trillion cells. So you change your brain and your cells every second. In fact, every millisecond. And you can drive the direction of that. And if your mind is messy and you don't get into letting your, you don't use metacognition, which is then observing your cognition, when you do that, when you get that, you then de- tap into your non-conscious mind. Mm-hmm. And we have what we call active and dynamic self-regulation happening. When, when you do that, you can train yourself to do that. If you don't do that, you stay messy. If your mind is messy, your brain and body will be messy because your mind shows up in your brain. Mm-hmm. It impacts your brain and your body. So messy mind, messy brain, messy body, messy life. Mm-hmm. But managed mind is a managed brain and a managed body and a managed life. And that's an ongoing process. And it starts, management always starts with a mess because otherwise you wouldn't have anything to manage. So we are messy. Life is messy. And that's totally okay. We are, our mind-brain-body connection, our psychoneurobiology is designed for messiness. So it's okay to be messy. It really is okay to be messy, but it's not okay to stay messy because that causes damage in our brain and our body. And whereas, so we want to manage the mess. So does that sort of answer your question? Yeah. Oh my gosh, it answers it on like every level. (laughs) On the idea of managing as it's okay to be messy, but not to stay messy. I feel like something that Julie and I talk about a lot is this idea of like negative self-talk. And just because we have you for, you know, we would want to have you forever, um, but we want to make sure we touch <laughs> literally all- want to talk to you all day long. <laughs> I know literally. And we have Thank like you, questions and whatnot, but we're going to, we're going to get this all in. Um, so what are like, what are your tips for managing toxic or anxious thoughts? Because I think that's the first part of the question. Then the second part is I feel like sometimes we go back to, we generalize um, like old patterns or thoughts that don't serve us. Let's say a toxic relationship, a toxic habit, a coping mechanism that maybe we logically understand doesn't serve us or our greater goal, but it's still something that maybe our brain is familiar with for comfort or whatever. So how can we change those things and change them for good? Because I think that sometimes I know for myself, like with certain habits, which I don't have many, which is good, right? But in some ways, I'm like, I'm so confused. Like, why do I go back to certain habits that don't serve me when I logically know how this this tale ends, if you will? Like, how? Yes. what are your top tips for that? Okay, so the first way to understand this is to understand the language that that has been used. So it's an excellent question. And it's something that's very relevant to being human. Um, this man battling with toxic thoughts and the narrative that you know that you should do and you know what you should do. And like, you know, the, and these patterns that we keep repeating. There's a lot of words that, that we need to sort of unpack in order to manage it. So the first thing is to understand what is a thought? What is, the, what, what is a memory? What's the difference between a thought and a memory? And then when we talk about thoughts and memories, what are then then what is a belief system? What is a habit? What are, so can you see how many words there are? So let me define those for you and make that the best tip is to understand what we're dealing with. And if you understand what you're dealing with, then you can actually do something. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about how to sort of change that. So essentially, however you show up, which is your communication, what you say, what you do, 
um, which is gonna uh, whatever is is coming because of something, and 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 there's certain behaviors, emotions, perspectives, and bodily reactions that are in signals that are inside the, the way that we're showing up. So let's that's put that is on the shelf for a moment and come back to the fact that what is the mind and the brain, and then let's talk about a thought and a memory, and then we'll come back and pick that off the shelf again. Okay, and then we'll wind that into into your question. So first of all, the brain is an organ that is very sophisticated. It's not a computer. It's way more than a computer. It is an organ that is flexible and changeable and able to respond. If you did, however, your brain does nothing except it'll just disintegrate. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your brain is driven by something. Same thing with your body. So now for the listeners, I'm holding hold up the brain and the skull. Now I'm holding up a little model of the brain and the body. Same thing with your brain and your, so your body. It's alive now because you're alive mm -hmm. so it's doing stuff you're making a million new cells every second you've got blood pumping from your heart you've got your lungs working you all kinds of things are working that keep you alive genes changing everything you're making you've got short medium and long-term genes you you have a lot going on because you're alive if you're dead nothing's going on mm -hmm. so what is their aliveness that's your mind your mind is your aliveness your ability to be in life as a human and experience life and that experience of life is what, what your mind grabs. Without a mind, you can't experience life. So your mind is how you experience life. And, ex and a mind experiencing life means that the mind is receiving the experience, which in this case is this podcast discussion. But it, before this, it could have been the discussion you two had. Before that, it could be maybe a meeting you were in. Before that, it could have been some emails that you were doing. So each of those are different experiences that your mind is receiving, processing, and driving. So it takes the experience of the email that you've just, uh, just read or written, the podcast you're listening to, whatever, and it takes that and it makes sense of it. Mm -hmm. It makes sense of it by three actions, thinking, feeling, and choosing. And it does those three, to, they stuck together, like our fingers and our stuck together. So you think, feel, choose, think, feel, choose, think, feel, choose at around about 400 billion actions per second. So there's this mind is cycling. It's taking everything, think, feel, choose, think, feel, choose, think, feel, choose to make sense of it. Then that that is the sort of psychological component. And it pushes that think, feel, choose stuff into the brain and the brain responds. But how does it push it into the brain? And what does that mind look like? It's a whole bunch of physics. So it's gravitational fields, it's electromagnetic light forces, it's photons, and it's all moving around and through your body. And your mind, gravitational field stuff, is different to Brenda's, which is different to mine, which is different to every listener. In other words, we all have our own gravitational fields, electromagnetic light forces, etc., that which is phenomenal. So when you die, that goes and you actually weigh a little bit less. So, and then your body starts disintegrating. So your mind is this powerful driving force that keeps your mind and brain going. I mean, your body and brain going, the physical going. So your mind is this force that keeps your brain and body going. And it is also the thing that helps you experience life. So no mind, you can't experience life. No mind, your body and brain do nothing. Mind, think you'll choose and all this physics stuff. You now have a human being that's functioning in life and, and able to cognate and metacognate and build stuff and do stuff and communicate and run a podcast etc etc and do degrees like you have done and do whatever you do with your life kind of thing because you have a mind mm -hmm. so the thing about our mind is that it is very messy and and it's okay to be messy because we are experimenting we don't know we can't control people events circumstances so therefore everything's uncertain 
So everything, like you had a certain prediction of what would happen on this podcast. You've read, obviously read some of my materials, whatever. So you said, but you weren't, you don't know for sure. So as I'm talking and as you're asking questions, it's unfolding. So this is life. Life unfolds. We have certain like a, a prediction of what will happen, mm. of possibilities, and then it unfolds. And in that unfolding, it's very often messy. And someone says something to you, and you get have a highly emotional response. And in that high emotional emotions are basically memory memories that are they they basically type a type of memory. Emotions are actually a type of memory, which is an interesting concept. And if they if they like they like glue and if they if you you know if they're very powerful which can happen if someone yells at you you will just react in the wrong way because a memory that is toxic and a toxic emotion memory is blocks your ability to think clearly and then that's messy and then you say the wrong thing and then this whole and then you build and all of this experience by the way is being perceived by your mind processed by your mind and is busy growing into a tree inside your brain that looks like this wiry looking thing that i have got up here that i'm holding up i'm holding up a wiry looking tree and this would be a toxic thought tree so in other words a thought is a physical product of our mind so that conversation with someone's yelling at you or whatever and you yelling back and there's a whole whatever going on that experience is being processed by the mind into the brain the brain is responding electromagnetically genetically um, neurochemically and making proteins and the proteins capture capture the content the emotions and the data and the information, all that stuff, and makes it into that. Those become that information becomes vibrations inside of little proteins, and there's lots being said. So lots of branches are growing, and this is what we're doing all the time. So that experience is becoming something in your brain. It's becoming a thing that looks like a tree. It's a thought. So a thought is a tree. It's the big concept. It's a big picture, and it's made of memory. So all the little branchy things are memories. So thought and the memory are not the same thing. Like the mind is not the same as the brain. The brain is this physical substance and this physical organ. The mind is this physiology and all that stuff that I've just been explaining. And the thought is the product of the mind. So every experience you have, and you have about 8,000 a day on average, is converted by the mind into the brain as trees. And hopefully most of them are nice, healthy trees that look like this, you know, nice, healthy green trees. And they and as they when you first have the experience, as we started the conversation, there's only been a little bit said, but as the conversation goes on, we're going to grow more and more branches because I'm saying more and more, and you're processing more. And eventually, I've got all, all my trees, I've got a bunch of trees here. There we go, and it's getting more by the end of it. So, we're getting more, and eventually, by the end of the conversation, there's lots of stuff that you've grown in your brain because of that, that's an experience. Your mind's doing that. Okay, so now here's the interesting thing we can control that process, we can manage our minds. We can think about our thinking. That's the metacognition aspect, and which is mind management. And we can self-regulate that. We can train ourselves to look at what we are thinking, feeling, and choosing. Mm -hmm. Look at the thought that we're building because how, we, how do you look at a thought? By what you're saying and what you're doing. Because you mm -hmm. think, feel, choose, and you build a thought. And the thought is then producing what you say and what you do. So if you want to know what you're thinking, look at what you're saying and what you're doing. And then that's, you can track that back to the thoughts So if you speaking all kinds of negative stuff and maybe stuck in whatever people pleasing or whatever, then that whatever you're doing is coming from this. So you can look at what you're doing and there's a way you look at it. So we can talk about that. And then you can track that back to this right. thought. 
tree made of memories. And we could say, well, that's not serving me. That's keeping me stuck. I've been doing this for years. This is a pattern in my life. It's become a habit because I've done it for longer than 63 days. Habits form in 63 days plus not 21, like people talk about. You've done it so often. So it's a wired in neural network, but it's toxic. These proteins are folded incorrectly. The neurochemistry is wrong. Your immune system hates these because these are actually brain damage. And these will damage your DNA and will, and, and will mess up your endocrine system and will increase cortisol and you'll have inflammation. And you know everything's affected by these. In the same way that the COVID virus messes up our brain and our body, these mess up our brain and our body. They're as real as the COVID virus. Thoughts are trees made of memories. And what we are able to do is they constantly malleable they move they alive they're dynamic they're like a volcano they can be changed and the plastic paradox is that if we keep on repeating the same thing we get triggered this pops up we just we produce all that again and then we get more feedback and it gets bigger and we shove it back down and we kind of get all upset and whatever and go on with our day and then we get triggered again and shoops, this thing pops up and it's getting stronger and stronger all the time because whatever you think about the most will grow it's getting too much attention so it's getting so that, that then feels overwhelming because you feel, well, I can't change. You started off the conversation, Brenda, you said that people feel that they can't change, but you actually can change. These get so strong that they feel like they are controlling you. And they are if you don't self-regulate. In other words, if you don't mind manage. So mind management is the ability to look at yourself. What are you doing? What are you saying? What are you feeling? What is your perspective? What's your body doing? And then using that as evidence or as like a thought detective, you're becoming like a thought detective, using that to find out what's the underlying source, which is the thought tree. So it takes you to this, you know, you're shining the spotlight mm. on that. And then when you see that tree, that's got parts. So what are these parts? The branches above the ground are your unique interpretation of whatever that event was that you experienced. Mm. And the tree trunk is how you processed it and the roots are the origin story, the source, where it came from. Let's start with a positive one. So I'm going to hold up a healthy thought. And that tree is in a pot. So we know that when you are listening, like listening now to this podcast, as you introduce the podcast or as people sort on your page, that would be like a seed. So when you grow a tree with the seed in the ground and then it starts growing. So the name of your podcast is equivalent to a seed. As you started introducing me and we started speaking, that's the root system. So everything we say, is the root system everything that you ask me everything i answer is the root memories that's all the little branches in the root because that's the source then the tree trunk is the processing the unique processing that you and every single person has different because you're unique so you each think can feel so this is the thing mind doing the think feel choose the mind receives pulls the roots then the mind generates the think feel choose what does this mean? How do I understand this? How, what does this mean for me? So you two are both interviewing me. You're hearing the same thing, but you are completely building different trees. You, you're yeah. hearing different things. which right. is Based off of our you. nature, our nurture. Exactly. Based on all the other thought trees, you have been building yeah. these since you were in the womb. So as I'm talking, all kinds of thoughts are busy popping up and they're different for each of you and they look different and, and every listener and viewer is doing the same thing. So the top part is your unique interpretation of. Now here's where the sticking part and the how do we change it and everything fits in. So mind, brain, you've sort of got an idea, thoughts, memories, you've got an idea and the fact that they can change and et cetera and produce your actions. So now let's say you have as a, maybe as a child, you saw evidence of a really bad relationship with your parents. Mm. And so that forms parents, their trust and love, they're always fighting, 
there must be something wrong with me because a child tends to do that. Then maybe there is a bit of verbal abuse added to your life. And maybe there's even physical abuse or there's just not enough caring. The, the abuse could be that they didn't care enough for you, didn't spend enough time or whatever. So now as a child or adolescent or whatever, this experience is growing. You go to school and you get bullied or whatever. Each So the source would be let's take the parents think parents bad marriage or bad relationship and how that so the 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 processing each time they yell at each other there's another part of the source there's the source then it's processed interpretation is um people can't be happy together love doesn't really exist i'm a bad person i cause fights with my parents you know all the distorted coping mechanisms we don't know how to make sense of that so it's all this is all distorted because everything's distorted this then doesn't get resolved you go into adolescence you're going to university and you start forming relationships or even at school you're having you know your boyfriends girlfriends whatever friendships and as soon as there's any kind of conflict mm -hmm. this pops up okay and because it's been going on for years it's a complex trauma this then is how you view the situation you view the situation now this has also done something else it's created have i got my little props here i've got oh yeah here we go. Um, it has it has created and i'm going to put on some sunglasses it has created not only that toxic trauma that is influencing this relationship that you're now in because you think okay well um that's how my parents behaved so you automatically it's not really automatically it's coming from the unconscious it's very alive it's very intelligent it's very dynamic but it's showing up in your consciousness you don't know anything else it's the comfortable even though it's uncomfortable it's comfortable because of familiarity and so you do that in your relationship and then the relationship ends and this keeps happening so your whole perception is that everyone always leaves me and it's my fault see my parents thought it's my fault now everyone else doesn't like me it's my fault and you end up hating and whatever i mean i'm painting a picture that's not an uncommon kind of story and there's obviously a lot of details attached to that so this in addition then now that's one relationship a, a love triangle i mean a love a love relationship supposedly between the um, between us between spouses mm -hmm. but then there's also other relationships there's friendships there's deep friendships there's in a sibling relationship whatever there's boyfriend girlfriend there's all kinds of stuff um and boyfriend boyfriend girlfriend girlfriend whatever it may be and so now in addition to this individual thought this is like a you know how a spider grows a spider web mm -hmm. this will grow something called a mindset and a mindset is a neural network so this is a neural tree you get a network so imagine this spewing this net but anything relational kind of gets attached to this so you get this big ugly halloween spiderweb looking thing which is a neural network in your brain and that's called a mindset and that mindset now infects or covers creeps into anything that is relational mm -hmm. and it's always hovering so every relationship is being tainted by this original thing yeah and so what we have to do is to the, the tip part, and I've given an extreme situation. We can even look at things like FOMO, fear of missing out, and people pleasing, and um, and you know all the uh, uh, whatever that that fear of people's opinions, and you know all those things that are so prevalent now with body image, and you know with social media, and all these kinds of things that and that all humans are reacting in different ways, but it's affecting every age group. That has crossed that net. And that's the mindset. So there's the thought and there's the mindset. The mindset um, is forms a perspective. So now, how do we, what's the tip? How do we manage this process? So before I teach you how to manage the process, do you want to ask any questions or land the plane with anything that I've said here? I think it's so clear. I mean, I love this, this 
visual of the tree because I think it is sometimes a hard thing for people to grasp. Okay, well, how is that all related? My mind, how is that related to my brain, my body? I think that the tree is because it's actually what's going on in something exactly that see on the outside world and understand, put a picture to it is so helpful. And so I want you to keep going because you're so clear and it makes so much sense. And we only have 10 minutes left. So I wish we had more time. But, okay. Okay. Um, right. Uh, so please it, tell us how to detox it, how to clean okay. up the mess. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let, let me put on some sunglasses here. So now the reason I'm doing this is because when we have these with the mindset, which on top of these, so it's the mindset and this, this is how we look at life. Very dark, very difficult to manage. Well, what we have to do is take the sunglasses off. This is the mess. We can be in two states at once, messiness, and I've got another pair of glasses over here. Oh, there they are. Now I'm gonna put on some clear glasses that are actually my prescription glasses that I can actually make me see, but these I can actually see you properly. Mm -hmm. So I can see. So I can, a mindset blocks how we look at stuff. So if I, if, if I mind manage, if I, which is self-regulating, and I've developed a concept called the neurocycle, which is a system that's had years, 38 years of research applied in the most extreme, as well as basic things like social media throwing you in with just a little one comment or to the extreme abuses or whatever. So um, it's a system for how you take these glasses off and put these on and getting to that self-regulated mind management where you can stand back and look at yourself. And so you want to look at this, this whole situation. So first of all, what will happen is you to put these glasses on, to take these off and put these on, you have to give yourself permission to be messy. You have to say, I can be messy. These emotions that I'm feeling because of these, this way I'm viewing life is not who I am. Because at my core, I'm wired for love, which is science. There's nothing in you that isn't wired for wisdom. Your mind is wired for wisdom. The core of you is wisdom. But to get to wisdom, we have to make a mess so we can repair it and grow. So you have your messy mind and you have your wise mind. And the two work together if you allow them. So messiness, because of the glue of the emotions and the emotional memories being so dominant, we get stuck in the thing that's actually got a lower hertz, a lower frequency of, of four hertz versus this, which is a higher frequency of 528 hertz and plus in terms of what it generates. We can get so stuck in those toxic things that we don't step into the power that we have. Yep. So when we can get self-regulated, we step into our power. So, okay, so that kind of puts sets sort of stage there. So what we want to do on a practical level is we want to, recognize these two of us is the messy mind there's the wise mind you can put two chairs next to each other i used to do this in therapy where we'd have one chair with you sitting in the other chair you're also sitting in this is the messy mind this is the wise mind you could even do whatever props you want to help you with that yeah. so you do that and you sit in the wise mind and the wise mind then looks at okay what are my patterns mm -hmm. what's the big pattern the big pattern is excessive maybe sadness or depression or relationship whatever there's you always have multiple patterns find the one that's most dominant so you can think of that right now the listeners can do that immediately what's the most dominant toxic pattern in your life now that's blocking you from is it like constant narratives is it constant intrusive thoughts even that's that's broad it'll be very broad initially but what is that trying to find that and then now I'll take that and say, oh, and you're doing this very kindly. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation because the way you're showing up is not you. You're doing that pattern. You're showing up and saying and doing what you're doing, communicating that way because of. The because of is this thing. And this thing's because of is the source. What we have to do is we have to go from the pattern to the signals, which will take us to the thought 
important tree, we have to look at the interpretation of our, our kind of coping mechanism, distorted interpretation. We've got to look at how we got there to the source. And like any root, you've got to dig away the sand and then upend it to get rid of the weed, like any weed, okay? If you just chop off the head by just getting a diagnosis and a label and a symptom and getting told that you're clinical depression and a medication, you're just chopping the head. You're not dealing with the issue. Right. You also can't just say, okay, I'm going to say 10 positive affirmations and I'm going to, that's a bandaid on a bullet wound. It's chopping the head off the weed. Right. You have to go from the patterns of your life to the signals, to the thought. And then you're going to go from the thought, you're going to look at the interpretation to the processing and that takes you to the root. That's going to take you around 15 to 45 minutes every day for 21 days. And then that will get to the point where each day as you work through these and what do you do each day? You do the neurocycle. You do these five steps. So each day you're starting with each day with a little bit more insight. That's my pattern. These are my signals. Now I'm going to go through these five steps. I'm going to gather awareness. I'm going to think it through. I'm going to do two writing steps. I'm going to get a little action. And you don't solve it on day one. You can't. It's going to take you a little bit every day, but you're very deliberately working through from the pattern. The pattern of, let's say, successive depression um, and feeling very depressed. That's a depressed tree. But that's very broad, so we'll get more specific as we're going along. The signals that you look at, okay, the signal, there's four signals, emotions and Behave, body symptoms, behaviors, and perspective. So depression is what you say, I'm depressed all the time, or I'm overwhelmed all the time, whatever it is, the pattern. Then you say, okay, what are the signals of that pattern? So you said the, thought is, the pattern is depression, but depression is actually an emotion. So that's fine. Put that in that, that's that signal um, bucket. But now also think what other emotions go with that. Now that depression is not an illness. Emotions are not illnesses, they're messengers. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help you find the signals. Signals are helpful things. You've been, they're clues. So when you take the pattern to the four signals, you're starting to break this thing down. You're starting to manage it. This is management, okay? Yep. So this is all the first step of the neurocycle where you're gathering. You're gathering awareness of your pattern. You're gathering awareness of these four signals. So depression, the pattern. Depression is also the signal. Okay, so maybe that pattern is relationships. I'm depressed because I can't form a relationship. Okay, that's a better treat to name it. So depression, relationships, actually relational issues. So that's the name of the toxic tree, okay? That's the pattern. That's the name of the tree that it's coming from. So if depression is the emotion, what others, maybe sadness, um, what's the behaviors, withdrawing, can't stick in a, the relationships keep breaking down, frustrated, um, well, that would be an emotion. Then what's your body symptoms, got increasing heart palpitations, GI symptoms, whatever, and what's your perspective? I can't form relationships, I'm not worthy. You've got four broad signals, and on day one, you're going to have very little information, but then you're going to go deeper. So once I've got the signals, I've gathered awareness of the pattern of signals, then I can start gathering awareness of, okay, how am I interpreting in terms of depression? How, what's my interpretation of that emotion about me? What do I, how am I seeing myself in this depression? So you, 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 start, um, you start reflecting on what each of those means. These signals, these behaviors, what do they mean? Why am I doing them? How do they relate to that pattern? You know, so you start understanding the four signals in relation to the pattern. And that gives you this interpretation. You start, oh my gosh, I'm seeing myself as this useless, unworthy person who can even form a relationship. And I'm, I'm just not worthy of anything except being sad. That's not true. The truth is that I'm amazing. I can do something that no one else can do. What's my true identity? How did I get there? And so you then would go to you would whatever you've gathered and all the stuff I've just explained and you've reflected on, you would write that down. So the first two steps are in your head, the third and fourth 
the third and fourth step are written steps and the details in the book and the app okay the I just want to try and get you as much as i can in the the so the third step you just pour it all out the fourth step you organize it's a writing step as well you organize and say okay well if i'm thinking like that there must be a reason what is the because of and how can i how can I change that? What it could be some other way. So then you, that's taking you to the root. So each thing is taking you deeper and deeper. Mm. As you systematically work through these five steps, you're making, you are driving the neuroplasticity of your brain. You're changing the structure of your brain. And you would do that every day. And at day 21, you've uprooted this thing and you've built this new way of thinking. So you can't change what's happened to you, but you can change what's in you. Okay, so now I can form a relationship. I want to form a relationship. I'm going to form a relationship. I know now it's looking at my parents' bad marriage that the reason why I got here and I'm depressed because I had all these years lost or whatever. But you know what? I'm now in control. So yeah. I'm going to change how it plays out into the future. But this is not strong enough yet to override this that you remember. It's gone, but you, you still remember because whatever happened is still there. So this could come back if you don't make this strong. And that's why you need another 42 days at least of practicing the five steps, just five minutes a day to grow this thing. So yeah. another 21 days, it's this size and another 63 days, it's this size. When it's this size, I'm now in the new relationship. Yes, I remember that I couldn't, because of this sort of stuffed up version of relationship that my parents gave me, I thought I couldn't do it and I thought I was a mess up. But actually, that's not the truth. The truth is I am worthy and mm -hmm. I, and it's not that people always leave me. I can stick through things or whatever. Whatever your reconceptualization is, now this thing drives the relationship. So the so when you do that, you've also changed that net, that net, yeah. that mindset net, that mindset that this was attached to that was saying I can never form relationships. You've changed that into one I can. So now you've done a romantic relationship. Now it will be a friendship one. It will be a sibling one. It will be a, a work one, etc. So that net's gone. That mindset net's gone and you've now built a new one that says I can form relationships I know now why I couldn't does that make sense I mean that's a quick oh run through everything and it's in detail in the book and detail and I've got many books but this latest book I'd recommend and the app I'll walk you through it I literally do it with you and there's so many different applications of the neurocycle we've only just spoken about one. Oh, it's so incredible and what I love about your work Dr. Leaf is it really is empowering by understanding how this works, how our mind works, how our brain, body, mind connection works. It gives us the power to feel like we can change. We can change the trajectory of our life, of our thoughts and getting the opportunity for you to break it down to us, how it all works with knowledge is power. And when you have that knowledge, you can make a change. And unfortunately, we have to let you go because you have many more important things to do. But Dr. Lee does have the NeuroCycle app. Is that that's correct? Yes, it's on iTunes and Google Play. Yeah. And her newest book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, which both of those things there it is. teach. There it is. It's beautiful. Uh, uh, dissect all of this even deeper and walk you through everything that Dr. Leaf has talked about with us today. And we hate to have to let you go, but we cannot thank you enough thank for your you. time. This was my pleasure. This was life changing. Thank you. Oh, so thank much. you so much. Now, I appreciate that. And we can send you all those links as well. And people can also find me on Instagram, any all social media platforms, Dr. Caroline Leaf. And there's little tips every day. So all this, a lot of these, these the detail of, of, I've given you the big picture, but the detail, I give lots of little detailed tips on how mm -hmm. to manage your life as well, which can help a lot too. Absolutely. And I have a, a podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, where I go into all kinds of things about all this stuff and yeah. not so quick. <laughs> yes, yeah. I will link all of Dr. Leaf's 
stuff in the show notes, the app, her podcast, all of her books, her website, her Instagram, because everybody needs to be keeping up with what she's doing. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And it's really important that these discussions are had. So thank you for bringing mental health and wellness to the to every every age group as you know COVID has really affected everyone but it's it's your age group that's been the most affected so these conversations need to be had so thank you thanks for having me on your show thank you so much Dr. Lee <laughs> thank you so much bye-bye thanks for listening to Roaring 20s podcast be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe you're never alone our pride sticks together tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring 20s podcast get to start your week with us and end your week with us with love brenda and julia thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.